My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. This is it. The time has come. Saturday night's all right for fighting. Get in the ring and go the distance with Fight Night with Adam Catterall and Gareth A. Davies. You're better than that! On Talk Sport. Welcome to the Fight Night podcast from Talk Sport. I'm Adam Catterall. Happy New Year. Thank you very much for joining us once again as we embark on hopefully. A fabulous 12 months in the world of fight sports. If you miss us on a week-by-week basis at 9 o'clock every Saturday night on TalkSport, you can get us via the podcast. All you've got to do is subscribe via iTunes or via the TalkSport website, TalkSport.com. Now, at the weekend, we had a lot of guests come to join us to kick off the new year, starting with the one and only Mr. Frank Warren. Loads of subjects up for grabs here, including Joyce, Dubois, Is It On?, and we were also talking about the one and only Mr. Tyson Fury. So, um, Frank, uh, I've got to say it first of all, 40 years in boxing this year. Does that, does that feel amazing or does it make you feel old? I wish it was only 40 years. I've been doing it since I was 23. So it's much longer. I, did it, I, I was doing it for quite a few years before I took out a board licence. So, but with a boxing board of control, four years, yeah. So it's fifth decade time. almost, really, in a way. It's the fifth yeah, decade you've is. been involved. Yeah, it is. Quite it is. extraordinary, Frank. You know, and because the, the funny thing about boxing, um, just to take you back, is that there isn't a book on boxing. One day, I'm sure there'll be a bloody university degree on it that people can go and study how you get into boxing, how you do this in boxing. But when you started, there was no book on it. But your uncle, your uncle Bob, your dad, um, people don't. a lot of people don't know this, were friends with Angelo Dundee and his brother Chris. That's right, isn't it? That's right, yeah. I went to the University of Life. But, um, yeah, they, they, uh, they were very, very good friends. Um, over the years, and uh, when um, obviously when uh, Ali come over or Cassius Clay come over, they you know they they uh, they, they were with him, and, and also when they, when he brought when uh, Angelo brought over other fighters as well. And so, there was also 
also, I'm, I remember when I was a kid, and I was a very young kid, meeting Sonny Liston uh, when he came over with them. You know, they, wow. Uh, so, uh, yeah, many years ago, many, many years ago, 60s. It was a bit of the Wild West. It wasn't regulated. It wasn't, it wasn't, uh, although you'd get dots there, it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, there weren't the medical checks that you need in and so forth. A lot of ex-fighters were fighting on there. Um, and as I say, I didn't know any different, but, you know, very quickly uh, got it together. We formed an association called the National Boxing Council, pulled that together and uh, got medical, medical um, uh, people on board, doc, uh, doc, uh, you know, doctors who were helping and started doing checkups and so forth. But in the end, it, 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 I knew that to go any further, as I, I got bitten by the bug by then, is that I would have to work with a British boxing border control licence. And I was invited by an old writer who's a really well-respected writer called Wally Bartman to take a licence out, which is what I did. Wally Bartleman, gosh, I only hear that name mentioned by the likes of Colin Hart, who's in his 80s now. Um, yeah, Wally was a Wally was a very very respected journalist. Worked for um, London London newspaper, and he was uh, an evening paper. And he was he was an absolute gentleman, and came from Islington. When you look back, if I ask you about the last decade, two thousand and ten to two thousand and twenty, what stands out for you? Obviously, you created Box Nation, and it was a very resurgent decade for you. I would say in the last four or five years of the decade. Yeah, well, you know, it's like all these things. You know, that there was a time when Sky were actually pulling out of boxing, and that's when when I, I left Sky and decided to do my you know, do my own thing. And uh, with, um, with a group of people, we put together Box Nation, and uh, and that was quite uh, it was a tough time to, to say the least. Very challenging. You're up against the might of of in those of then it was of the Murdoch Empire, and that's what it was. You know, of all the newspapers involved and everything. And, uh, we did well to come through it and survive, but um, it, it, you know, and, and it was also I had to do, devote a lot of my time to, to basically being involved with a TV channel as well as being promoting and managing fighters, which mm. was which was a bit of a tough call. But anyway, that that's sort of moved on as you say. In the last five years, certainly in the last couple of years, getting involved with BT, who who are now um, who we exclusively promote with, um, has been a has been a real real. Um, boost for boxing and certainly a boost for us and we've managed to develop we was developing talent anywhere and bringing them through but certainly with uh with now with bt and the platform we've got it's uh it's been quite a resurgent um time for us and we've got some great stuff lined up this year i mean when you think about it you know the number one heavyweight in the world according to the ring magazine and myself is tyson fury uh we've got uh you know two other really good quality heavyweights the next generation or the next next guys coming through in daniel dubois and um and also with joe joyce so we've got probably the best heavyweight heavyweights i believe in the work young young heavyweights and and in tyson the lineal champion the best around so we've managed to do that plus all the other good quality fighters that we've got like josh warrington and so forth and i mean i'm going to name everybody's Everyone, well, I could jump in there, Frank. In the last few years of the of the decade, the resurgence of Tyson Fury. Obviously, you had him from 2015 going out there and um, you know, kind of d- doing a number on 
um, uh, on Vladimir Klitschko and then have having the years away and then coming back to an incredible end of the year. Anthony, uh, end of the decade. Anthony Yard, Josh Warrington, as you say, Daniel Dubois on the rise. All those young stars you've got as yeah. well coming up and coming through, which I know is one of your underpinnings you and I have spoken so many times about this and you always emphasize it to me yes there's the top line big names but we are insistent on developing names as well because I know that's very close to your heart well it is it's close to my heart and Queensbury's heart and that's what we do you know we, we and I think we're you know we're pretty good at doing it and I think we've got the best young talent not just in this country, but in I think in the world we've got some great young fighters, and uh, and and it's going to be interesting this year to see where they all get to by by December. And it, uh, you know, see where they're all at, and I think you're going to see some some good quality youngsters that the public are really going to take to. There's some really good good kids there who can fight and have have I think have great futures in front of them. Three questions on the current scene. Um, obviously, the big one, everyone's going to be talking about it for the next two months, lock, stock and barrel, um, to, to use a, an expression from Snatch, which obviously I'm referring to the Gypsy King himself. Um, it, is, is this policy, you've, I've heard you say, I've heard it said a few times within Fury's camp that he could even stop Wilder this time. Are you putting out smoke screens, you guys? Because we know he can outbox Wilder as well. But Tyson can punch, and you know when he took the first fight, he was came in. He was eleven stone heavier than when he fought Wilder. Mm. Think about that, and he lost that within about seven months. So that was quite debilitating to lose that weight. Yeah, mm. we were look, originally looking at him having four warm up fights to get himself back to fighting, being fine and fit. And it wasn't like he just took a, a break out of the ring. He, he had a lot of mental problems. He had a drink problem. And he had a drug problem, and he got himself back from that abyss. And you know, through boxing, you know, found a path and found a, 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 a second chance in in his life, and and he's and he's he's done it brilliantly, Tyson. But he trained for that fight, I think, to lose weight rather than being on weight and training for a fight. This time round, um, having had a couple of other more fights under his under his belt, he's stable at his weight, so he's not got to worry about losing weight. In fact, he's probably coming a little bit heavier this time round. And there's a, a, a thought, thought, thought process to that. But anyway, he's now training for a fight. So what's, what can happen on the 22nd of February? Is, can Deontay Wilder do anything different? He's a massive puncher, as we all know. He, can throw, he throws tremendous punches. He's, got, uh, he, he's dangerous for any second of any round. But Tyson can, can, can whack as well. And as you see in the last fight, even when he went down to that tremendous um, three-punch combination that he was hit by Deontay Wilder. When he got up, he was by the end of the round, he was winning it. No, he was. He, well, the, the hardest left and right hand combination of the fight came from him in that round. Um, yeah. Look, look, we're all excited about the uh, the Vegas return. Um, I, I was very interested as well in comments you've made that you feel that Anthony Joshua rarely mentions Tyson Fury's name, and you feel that um, Hearn and Joshua, Eddie Hearn, that is, and Joshua are looking more at a fight with Wilder than they are with Tyson, maybe overlooking him, but you've also in insinuated or even insisted at times that maybe they're not interested in fighting him because they do not believe that they've got the style to beat Tyson Fury. Do you still they hold by that? Yeah, they don't want to fight Tyson Fury, there's no doubt about it. I mean, there was a time when we were trying to put it together and all they kept saying is they want 70% of the purse and the lion's share and so forth. I don't know why, but 
they felt they were entitled more. As we all know now, Tyson's a bigger, bigger name in the States than Anthony Joshua. That's for sure. You know, he's, he fights on a bigger platform um, with with uh, ESPN. It's mm. the biggest sports broadcaster in the world, and it's massive in the States. So he's he's had tremendous exposure there. And at the end of the day, you know, Anthony Joshua done brilliantly winning his title back against a guy who was who often disgraced himself in his preparation and, the, and how heavy he came in uh, and how immobile he looked against uh, AJ. And I'm not taking any way, anything away from AJ. He trained like a true pro, did what he had to do, and, and, uh, it, and it paid off for him. But that was the number three and the number four heavyweights, uh, best heavyweights out there. The number one and two, the two undefeated, the two best are Tyson and Deontay. And that's a more interesting fight because you know both of them are training hard. You know they're both fit. You know they've got a bit between them, between them, their teeth. You know the you know the fact that last time round it was a real good quality fight, and you know there's a like stake at, at stake from that they both appreciate and want. They're not going to do an Andy Ruiz. They're not going to mm. you know just just show up on the night. These guys are coming to win and tear the other guy's head off. So you're going to get something a little bit special on the 22nd. Frank, so can I can I just push you on this? So I, I have read, I mean, it hasn't been made official, but there is a two-fight contract here. So we may well see a trilogy later in the year between with, between Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury with no one else in between. That's correct. So the, the, loser, the loser has the... Uh, the um, has the right has to the call right, a rematch, yeah? Or to the call right the trilogy call fight. The, Correct. Yeah. Wow. Fantastic. Finally, Frank, um, and I do appreciate your time tonight. Um, uh, Joe Joyce and Daniel Dubois. Now, something about my radars smack me down. If you need to, um, tells me that these guys won't meet this year. That they'll some excuse will be made at some point because I, I just feel that they almost need a title. It almost needs to be a world title between these two. Are we really going to see Joe Joyce and Daniel Dubois fight in twenty twenty? Yeah, I think your radar's faulty. <laughs> it, it, will, uh, it will happen. They both want it, and it will happen. That's you know, a blockbuster, Frank. Two, that is a blockbuster British fight. Yeah, two undefeated guys at the start of their careers. You yeah. know, we're, we're going to get it on. It's, and it's not the end of the world if somebody loses. Yeah. You yeah. know, we, yeah. Th- that's not the end of the world for a fighter. And I just feel that it's a, it's, it'd be, it's a good fight for both of them. And... And whatever happens, the winner of that fight will be a mandatory challenger for who's ever left standing out of all these guys uh, come the end of the year. And they'll fight for the world title. So we're looking at perhaps an April fight at the O2 Arena, something like that, with a, with a sellout crowd and a huge kind of bonanza card, yeah? I met with uh, Sam Jones and, Ann, and um, Adam Morley, who both um, uh, represent and look after Joe's interest. And... Uh, you know, it, we we met in fact last week, and uh, they're, they're, they've gone back. They're speaking to Joe. I've got to speak to to uh, um, Martin and Tony Bowers, and obviously to yep. Daniel. And we're going to try and get this on. Lovely, Frank. Thank you so much indeed. Lovely to speak to you at the top of the year, and uh, let's have a great one ahead. It's going to be it's going to be massive, isn't it? It's going to be a great year for boxing fans, and that's that's what really counts because they're the ones who pay everybody's wages, and we look forward to delivering for them. Now, with us just ending a decade, I thought it was only fair that we take a look back at the last 10 years. The best fights, the best knockouts... 
the iconic moments and, of course, discussing our Fighter of the Year. We've had a good 10 years. As British fight fans, we've had a good 10 years. And the one thing that sticks in my mind, if, if I could describe the last 10 years uh, from a British boxing fan's point of view, I think the last 10 years, this decade, was the decade of the stadium fight. I don't know whether you agree with that. I, I seem to be going to Wembley and Cardiff and Goodison Park and all these random places, Bramall Lane. I seem to be doing that every single week to go and cover a fight because at one point in probably between 2005 and 2008, we were, sorry, 2015 to 2018, we were absolutely flying. Yeah, I mean, I think I started the decade um, myself doing a lot of Mayweather, two Mayweather fights a year, two Pacquiao fights a year. They were very, Mm. um, they were very powerful figures in the fight world all the way to their fight. What was it? Was it 2014? Yeah, out of those, is that really six years ago? Oh my god! I know. If I was to if I was to ask you, is your fighter of the decade one of those two? Yeah, no question. And and there's Mm. no question. I didn't have to think twice about my fighter of the decade being Floyd Mayweather. Yeah, you know, I agree. I totally agree with that. Yeah, I'm look. He left the sport undefeated. Um, He was an extraordinary figure. Um, He, you look at what he's achieved, Adam. It's just extraordinary. I mean. his capacity for money earning was was extraordinary. The, he built a brand um, simultaneously with a bad boy reputation and and uh, and, 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 a, and a style and defensive technique as he got older that was just extraordinary. Um, he was unique, um, and I think an artist, a boxing artist, who belongs in the in the top ten of all time of all boxers. And obviously, I know his fiftieth fight was against. Uh, a mixed martial arts star in the UFC's Conor McGregor, um, and and for many people that was um, kind of anathema really in the sport. But you know, 27 wins in his in his 50 fight career, um, a life dedicated uh, to the sport. 23 million pay per views he generated. 42 billion US dollars estimated for the Las Vegas economy. Um, and and his pay-per-view nights surpassed Mike Tyson, Evander Holyfield, Lennox Lewis, Oscar De La Hoya, and Manny Pacquiao. You know, and you, if you think that the fight with Manny Pacquiao itself grossed close to seven hundred million US dollars, I mean, mm. it, it, it's extraordinary. And you know, he became very close to a billion dollars. I know I'm making this a lot about money, but um, he was Lil Floyd at the beginning of his career, and Money Mayweather last decade. Um, and I just think that, um, you know, there was, I was one memory I've got of him, which I really treasure, which is I went one day when he gave, um, I think it was three families, $150,000 each to build their own homes in Las Vegas. And he was there with his tool belt on and, but his charisma that day with these three families was extraordinary. And there's a really kind side to Floyd Mayweather. I know he was probably going and betting half a, half a million on an, on a basketball game later Mm. that day or whatever he was doing. But, um, you know, he's an enigmatic character and what he achieved, even though I'm kind of waxing lyrical about him here, but, you know, and, and going on about it. But it, he wasn't, he's a, I will really treasure that period, that 10-year period of my career covering him just as much as people know that I'm a huge Pacquiao file as well. And, mm. you know, the, the guy's a... 
the guy's a congressman in the in the Philippine government, for goodness sake, you know. Um, it, it's incredible. Or a senator, rather. He's a senator now, isn't he? Um, you know, he may run for president. So he was up there. Um, and, and my other three are probably, um, you know, well, I've got four others. Um, there's, there's the three heavyweights um, that we're talking about on the show all the time because I think they were extraordinary in the decade, even though it came later. And then there's Saul Canelo Alvarez and, and Andre Ward. Um, for me, those are the boxers of the last decade. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, I can't look past Floyd Mayweather, if I'm honest, for all mm. the reasons that you've that you've pointed out, and obviously the fights that he had during that decade as well, even though he retired at, uh, at the back end of that. We didn't see him for a few years. Um, my fight of the decade, I don't know if you've had time oh, to think about it. I but haven't, my, but I'd love to hear it. But my fight of the decade, I'm going to go for a Pacquiao fight, and mm-hmm. it's the Pacquiao Marquez 4. Oh, yeah, that was good. Um, well, this is the one where we saw, the, yeah, we saw the brutal <laughs> knockout of, uh, of Pacquiao. I mean, when, when we're talking knockouts, this was brutal. Um, he was knocked out in the sixth round against Marquez in that fight, but both men were down. It was a bit of back and forth. Manny actually looked really good up until the point of getting starched. Mm. And I just, it, that, that image, I remember watching that fight and the morning I went to bed, got up the morning after, because obviously it was in the early hours of the morning over in the States. And then I, I got up the morning after and I was watching it again and again and again because I just couldn't believe what had happened. Because for me at that particular time, Manny Pacquiao was Superman. And he mm. and, and that knockout, he was out, absolutely out cold. I, I, I can't remember the last time I'd seen such a shuddering knockout like that, that Juan Manuel Marquez uh, dished out in that fourth fight between those two. And that well, that, for me... Remind, remains as probably the, I want, yeah, I'm going to go with iconic image of the last decade, seeing Manny Pacquiao. Uh, <laughs> on his face. Flat, flat, out, flat out. Flat out on his face. Flat out yeah. in that fight, yeah. Well, well I mean, look, I'm, there's so, I mean, you know, there's so many fights. Um, I, I couldn't narrow it down to, to one <laughs> thing in the decade, right? So I've got to do probably about four. Um, Floyd Mayweather Jr. and uh, Manny Pacquiao as an event uh, was just extraordinary to attend. It was mm-hmm. amazing. And, I, and as I said earlier, I've been campaigning with other journalists for it to happen. And it was probably, well, it happened in 2014. I, I'm pretty sure I've been writing about it potentially happening for four years. Mm. Um, you know, that's why I say I've been through this these blooming scenarios before where you think you're close to it happening and you, you even you even sometimes write that you believe it's about to be signed and it's still 18 months off in reality. Um, that's why I say, you know, let's be cautious about the all these heavyweight fights happening. Um, the... I've got to include Tyson Fury's rise from yeah. the canvas in the 12th it's round against Deontay Wilder. Because you know that could be the iconic moment. That could it's be pure the drama, moment. Adam. Yeah, it's just, yeah. uh, you know, 2018. It's, it's, it, the drama was extraordinary. It was unbelievable in the true sense of the word. I was also there and, and very lucky to be there as well on the night that and very close to Tyson Fury when he beat um, Vladimir Klitschko in 2015. That mm. went under the radar, but it was extraordinary to be at mm. um, in 2015. The, the, the Anthony Joshua and Vladimir Klitschko at Wembley in 2017 captured the nation and was an incredible night to be. And, and then I would also include the Olympic finals. Uh, in 2012 ah. with the three women's fights. It was just... Um, the, the noise in there with only 10,000 people. You were there yourself. Mm. It's You know, I remember it's one of the moments that 
so turned you on to wanting to present sports. Yeah. You know, London 2012 was off the charts. The boxing event was incredible. And to see women in, in the Olympics for the first time and to have an Irish winner in Katie Taylor, to have uh, a British winner in, in Nicola Adams, an amazing kind of um, Thomas Hearn stroke a marvellous Marvin Hagler-type American boxer in Clarissa Shields, who, by the way, two of those are now Ring Magazine champions, mm-hmm. Taylor and Clarissa Shields, and Nicola Adams became a champion last year before retiring. So it, I, I can't, as you say, I can't narrow it down. I, I watch too many, too many fights, I'm afraid. But uh, <laughs> those are all my kind of big moments of, of the decade. Now, a man that didn't have the best of 2019 was Kel Brook. He didn't fight at all. In fact, he hasn't fought for 14 months. The former IBF welterweight champion has had a bit of a frustrating time. But he's back in February and he came to join us on Saturday night for a bit of a chat about what we can expect. You know, I'm, I'm just, I've been frustrated with it all, to be honest with you. You know, uh, last year, you know, you'd have seen me out. you seen me out in New York trying to make the fight with Terrence Crawford. Hmm. But due to lack of training, you know, due to lack of training, nothing seemed to work. Uh, pull off, you know. Um, I've been there, I've been in the gym, I've been there, there, but, you know, nothing was presenting itself to me, so, you know, I just uh, went up back then, to be honest with you, a bit. But, like I said, I'm fighting February 8th, and the buzz is, the mojo is back, the gym is buzzing, I'm buzzing, and I can't wait to uh, get back in. I've got itchy knuckles, I can't wait to fly again. You're back in uh, Sheffield as well, working with Dom, I'm led to believe. There were a, a brief uh, break there. It's nice to be back home, nice. working around familiar surroundings, yeah? Yeah, of course. Obviously, to be fighting back in Sheffield is a real buzz, a real pleasure. You know, the fans give me a real lift, give me a real buzz. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm dead excited to get, get, get back out there uh, and excite the fans with, a, with, you know, with a, a masterclass. Kel, um, lovely to hear you. Ed, like, like Adam says, it's kind of, you know, when, when our producer Ed said we've got Kel on the show tonight, I was thinking, yes, it's fantastic because it does feel like we've had a big hiatus from you. Um, you, you obviously, you had a very tough uh, 2018, um, you know, given that, that you'd, you'd gone... 2016, you'd had surgery, you'd, you'd had the fight with Golovkin, the fight with Errol Spence. How much of the last couple of years has been kind of regathering yourself mentally as well as physically? You know, a lot's gone on. A lot's gone on. A lot's gone on, um, a lot has gone on with the eye injuries and the fights and, you know, the lack of, you know, the lack of the fights, what I, what I want to be in, basically. You know, the, you know, the names that we talk about. You know, so I've, I've been trying. I've been trying my part, but like, like I say, I've missed it. I missed it so long, and I'm, re- I'm ready to go again. I'm presenting myself. I'm putting myself out there. Um, and what? There's, there's nothing more I can really say. I'm, you know, it's down to the team to, to you know, to come up with these, with these big fights. But I know that a lot of uh, top fighters have, have moved, up, moved over to matchroom, and you know, I just, I just get the, I get the, the feeling the air that. Something will happen massive in 2020. I think it's going to be a, a massive year for you know for, for for fighting. You know, like look, you've got you've got Fury Wilder. I, th- I just think that a lot of these big names, the big fights, you know, are going to get made this year. Mm. Because the funny thing is, Kel, you know, you, you've been doing this 
for over two decades already. You know, uh, there's nothing wrong with a year off in many ways. We all need a year off, which I could have a year off. Um, (laughs) um, um, but, But the thing is, like, you have come back. And like you say, we start a new decade... We start it with one of the biggest heavyweight fights we're ever going to see. There's potentially two other ones. Um, The sport is absolutely booming. You're in the right weight division for your physical size and your age, which is, I imagine, you're going to stay at uh, junior middleweight, super welterweight, as they now call it. When you started boxing, they called it junior uh, middleweight, if you remember, Um, or light middleweight. It's now called super welterweight. Um, Super K K and super welterweight. Um, The... Obviously, people have talked about domestically there are fights like Liam Smith that would get us excited. Um, you know, you've got, obviously, uh, Mark DeLuco, who's seven with the WBA and who's, who's, who's highly ranked in, in a lot of people's eyes. I mean, who are you targeting this year? Are you targeting Jamel Charlo, WBC? Because I know you value the, the WBC belt. You know, are you... You, 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 know, you know me, you know... You know me, and the, you know the boxing world knows me. I moved up two weight divisions to fight, you know, a killer in, in Golovkin. You know, and that that night, that you know, it didn't go my way, but the the atmosphere and the buzz, and top, you know, top fighters want to give them kind of fights, you know, to the fans, and that's what all, that's all I'm about is, um, you know, just presenting what I've got, my skills to the fans, exciting them, it excites me, and the show goes on and. You know, that's that's what that's what I'm aiming at. What Charlo, whoever's got a world title, uh, in you know, in, in my weight division, you know, I'll, that's what I'm that's what I'm looking at. I don't I don't know about you, Gareth uh, and Kel, obviously, but one five four for me at world level, the champion wise, I think it's wide open. I agree. I think, I, I think there's a lot of good opportunities there, Kel. If there's a if you can get a bit of a run together, I think it's busyness, isn't it? It's a it's a case of February, get a good performance in. Get out quickly again, another good performance. And then people all of a sudden are going, well, hang on a minute. Former IBF welterweight world champions knocking kids out for fun here. It's a, it's a, it's a feasible um, uh, opponent that you might get a voluntary rather than have to force your way into a mandatory situation. Exactly. You know, I, I'm, I'm just ready, me. I am absolutely ready. I've been, I've been training now since September. And I know I'm, I'm, hearing things, I'm hearing things. You know, I've had a year out. I don't blame you. People, yeah, I didn't. I didn't look spectacular my last fight, and people think that I'm over the hill and stuff. But I know when I'm performing in the gym and what I'm doing, and I'm, that's why it excites me as well. You know, proving a lot of people wrong and showing showing them that you know this way where I am now. You know, I'm a lot healthier, I'm a lot faster, stronger, and um, you know, and I'm, I'm just excited to see what I can do myself. You know, when I get on get on that big stage up there. You, you know full well there'll be people listening to this that every time we hear Kel Brook's name on the radio, the next name that follows it is, of course, Amir Khan's. The British fight fans, st- I think, still want to see it. Where are you at with it, mate? Have you put it to bed now? And if it happens, it happens? Or is it something that you still, you, you still fancy a piece of? You know, I've, I've, you know my, heart's, my heart's not fully... Like, my heart's not in it as in, you know, that's, that's the fight I'm hunting down. If it happens, it happens, you know. Uh, you know, I'm not chasing him. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to be mentioning his name or whatever. I'm just focused on who's in front of me. The local in front of me first off. You know, I'm, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to putting a show on. And I just want to be active. And I know, you know, the, some of the signings, you know, I'm actually glad and these fighters want to, you know, want to, want to, want to make this fight happen with myself. So there's still some big fighters out there. You know, I don't need to fight Khan. You know, there's some other, you know, other names, um, other names what are big as well out there. 
The thing is, Kel, I mean, I remember, um, obviously, rather like Carl um, Frotch did in, in Nottingham for many years, you, you, you really have been the kind of Sheffield wonder where you've sold out the arena so many times in your hometown. I was there in 2011 um, with you and Dom, Dom Ingle, when you made your American debut in Atlantic City, wasn't it? You know? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And, and you, and the thing is, you haven't been back there since. I would love to see you in fights with Jamal Charlo, Julian Williams, um, WBA, IBF, Williams holds yep. Teixeira, the WBO champion. I would love to see you. In fact, I'm going to write a little note when the show's over. In fact, I might do it in the next break to Eddie Hearn, starting a campaign in 2020 to get. Calbrook, a big bloody fight in the US yeah. on one of these DAZN cards. You need to push Edda faster, Edda. You need to ride down. Forget <laughs> the break. Ride down now. Ride down now. Start texting Edda. I am. Because, I, you know, because... Kelly, you know, Kelly if, a, if an opportunity came... I know that you, 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 you say you're healthy and you're fit and strong at 154, but if an opportunity came up at 147, would, would you take it? You know, I'm feeling now, and I'm, you know, me wait, wait now. Yeah, I feel like I, I can, you know, I still feel like I can make it, and make it comfortable. But you know, if if a, if a fight come and I talk to my nutritionist and everything else, I think yeah, uh, he still he still says to me that we can make it. So but the only reason the only reason I ask that is because, like you say, you there obviously I've made it for a while. You did yeah. anything what come into it so. You know, I wouldn't like to just say, you know, now let's do but it. But, yeah, but if there's a world title on the line, for example, you mentioned that you were in New York last year. We saw you in New York last year chasing down the Terence Crawford fight. And it doesn't seem like any of those PBC fighters are going to fight him anytime soon. He's going he's gonna to need a credible opponent, isn't he? You know, so if, the, if there's something on the line that if there's a decent carrot being dangled for you, is what I'm saying, then, the, yeah. then, then you'd, you'd consider 1472. Yeah, you're right there, yeah. I can't, I can't, I can't stress enough that it is time. I'm just looking at your record here on Boxrec. It is time, and I'm texting Eddie. In fact, I'm tweeting him right now, and I'm tweeting you in on it as well, Kel. It is time for Eddie to pull those big fingers of his out, yeah, and yep. point the finger at America and get you on a first-class ticket, yeah, with Mr. Ingle. Get your world title fight in America. Why not? Why not? Why not? Why not? You know, why not? End of the day, you know, the, the two losses I've, I've had is, you know, with, with the eyes, you know. But, so uh, there's, there's much more. To, you know, I've not, I've not been, I've not been through the mill. I've not been in hard, hard fights. You know, I've been injured in two fights, but I've got metal plates, and I've had a year out. I just feel my mojo's back. I feel refreshed. I feel ready. You've got nothing to prove to anyone, Cal. Let me stress that. You have nothing to prove to anyone. If you have things to prove to yourself still, great. But you, you've done it. You've been there and done it. But I do think... You, I'd love to see you fight Amir Khan as well. I think we all would. Um, it's, I don't think it's the huge fight it was at one time. You know, I think it was a different fight. But, you know, um, Ricky Hatton never fought Junior Witter. And I think it was down to timing listen i've sat with you in in the in the winko bank gym in sheffield and i've seen the darkness come over your eyes a couple of years ago when i mentioned amir khan in that fight and you said to me at the time i don't think i can go to my grave happy unless i fought amir khan obviously that softened a little but you meant it that day i know you did i remember i remember remarking on it to you 
It, it's just frustrating because, you know, the, the world don't understand it. They think that, you know, it's me what causes the problem more. And I think you will know as well as, you know, well, I think people do know, actually know that, you know, that it's not me, you know, what's, you know, causing the delay, basically. Kel, just uh, confirm one thing. Obviously, when you walk out in Sheffield, it's going to be all of the lights. It's the same tune, mate. You can't change that. I can't change that, can I, baby? I can't Get. change it. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. Look with me, that's with me now, that one. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Now, the guests kept flowing on our fight night show on Saturday evening. And one of them was Billy Joe Saunders. His name gets touted around every time we're talking about a new opponent for Canelo Alvarez. Will he be the lucky man that gets the shout to maybe give the Mexican a run for his money at super middleweight? Billy caught up with us on Saturday night to talk about the prospect. You sound very good. How are you? I'm ticking over, mate. I'm ticking over. Just waiting on news from uh, the management MTK and, uh, and the man fast already himself. Are you are you looking to be out by the end of March or is it even sooner than that, Billy? Well, I'm open. I'm open March. I am open that. But um I don't know yet. Hopefully May. Okay, and as, and you, presumably you just want world titles now. Yeah, I mean look, I've done a I've done enough on the beat around the circuit. I want the best fight, so that's either Golovkin or Canelo or uh, Callum Smith fight. Wow, so that's it. That's your wish list, yeah? That's the wish list, mate. That's the wish list. I'm sure if Canelo don't fight, I'm sure Callum Smith will step up to the plate. I mean, he can have an all-British unification. And would you be prepared to go to, like, an Anfield for that or go up to Liverpool to fight him? Listen, I will go in his back garden if he wants. I've got no problem about that. As long as the belts are on the line and everything suits each other, I will fight in his back garden. That don't bother me, Anfield, wherever it wants to be. And you'd I fight. I have advantage, but I'll fight anyway. And you'd fight four Smiths on the same night if you had to as well, yeah? Listen, I'll fight Smith, 
Canelo Golovkin on the same night if they want to. <laughs> when you, I was out there obviously with you in November, out in uh, the Staples Center, Los Angeles, on that kind of strange card in a way. You, you, it was an unusual audience because they were also there for KSI and Logan Paul. You were very. Um, generous in your views on the fact that these young men, these YouTubers, influencers, if you like, very influential guys in a new medium were, were on a boxing card and you had a lot of respect for them putting themselves out there. They, they tried their very best. Um, you, you weren't... You are so critical of yourself. You were kind of down on yourself about the, the performance against Marcelo Esteban Caceres. Did you... Have you gone back and looked at it, Billy, and, and seen perhaps what you weren't happy with? Uh, you know, I watched the fight back. Um, there was a lot of things I wasn't happy with, to be honest. I got out there five days before the fight. Um, you know, didn't acclimatise right. You know, but listen, it is what it is. Champions muscle through and do what they've got to do. They dig in and get the job done. So, you know, that's what I did. I showed the champions art. But, you know, apart from that, I was disappointed in the performance itself. How much how often are you talking to Eddie Hearn at the moment about the creation of that fight um, obviously you say MTK Global uh, are your managers but obviously Eddie Hearn's promoter for you at the moment uh, are they both working together to make this happen for you? I'm on my management every day they're uh, interacting with myself I was speaking to Eddie Hearn the other day about my uh, young fighter John A. Dixon who's out on the Cal Brook on the card and I also mentioned myself to him and he's quite confident that the big fight can be made between myself and Canelo. So that's the one he's open for. Um, so, so that's the one I want. And are we talking at super middle or middle, Billy? Uh, I don't know. Canelo's come down from, from uh, light heavy, so I don't know if he wants to go straight back to 160. But look, I want to fight him for my world title. I want to defend my world title at 168. So um, I'm looking at the 168 uh, weight. But, you know, look, it is what it is. So, you know, if he was to say to me, look, we're fighting 11 stone six, I can make that weight. Um, I've plenty of time to do it for May. And, uh, you know, but I think 168 would be the, the sensiblest thing to do for everybody because there'd be a world title on the line. The Do you feel... Obviously, we know you can handle yourself at super middleweight. You're one of the finest boxers of the modern era in Britain. The, your skill set is, is, is second to none. Um, but physically for you... Um, are you happier? Are you a happier person with that extra um, kind of, you know, eight pounds being able to live in a different way? Gareth, if I, if I had to make heavyweight, I still wouldn't be happy. Um, <laughs> it is what it is. You know, super middleweight, I, I think that, you know, super middleweight suits me because of uh, my movement, um, you know, but it might suit others for their strength. So, you know, it's sort of a catch 200, really. So, but look, I'm happy at, at 168. I was a campaign at it. So, um, look, uh, last year you were being trained by Dominic Engel. I know you've got a close relationship. I believe you're back with Ben Davison now as well. Isn't that right? Uh, I've been I've been speaking to Ben. We're going to start doing a little bit of uh, kicking over and that. Well, like I say, look, I'm a gypsy guy. I travel around a lot. Yeah. Um, Dom's a great trainer, Ben's a great trainer, so we're going to have to sit down and uh, and see where we go. But um, look, at the, at the moment, I'm just focusing on fixing a planned fight and getting it into place. Then I can decide who, you know, who and where I'm training yep. at, you know. But yep. listen, I, I love Sheffield and I love, you know, Ben Stoll, so 
maybe a mixture of be good and, um, and and you know work as a team and get this this fight over the line. But like I say, um, Ben's been working me since day one. You know, really since 2012. I've always had a good working relationship with Ben, and I think he's a very very good uh, boxing coach and trainer. He's learned a lot of Jimmy Tibbs. So you know, who knows what the future brings to that. It's funny that, you know, because, well, you'll recall, I mean, I had the absolute privilege of jogging on the beach and through the fountains, sprinting through the uh, the stone fountains, if you recall, with you, Tyson, um, Ben, <laughs> in, in Marbella all those, well, it's not all those years ago, it's three and a half years ago, and it was you that brought Tyson and Ben Davison together in the beginning, and we wouldn't have the Tyson Fury we have now had it not been for you. And I think Tyson owes you a quid or something, doesn't he, for it? Yeah, well, listen, he's, he's trapped me to a few, um, to a few uh, nights out. <laughs> the lady, uh, you know, he's paid me back in a uh, kind gesture with the, with the female attention. <laughs> um, look, I mean, I've got to ask you, look, Ben, ben and Tyson aren't working together now. It was a surprise for the boxing world at the time. This kind of thing does happen sometimes. And, you know, uh, people do go a different route. As you say, you've used different trainers. Um, were, were you surprised by it? Um, or is it just one of those things? Because they certainly haven't fallen out in public over it. No one's criticising anyone. It's just they have parted ways for now. Um but but for me, I'd like to see them stay together. Obviously, I I saw that partnership come together at that very beginning. But they've got their own reasons, I'm sure. Yeah, they're still working. They're, you know, still got a good friendship as friends. You know, but in boxing, things like that happen, mate. It won't be the first, and it won't be the last. Our final guest on Saturday was George Joyce's manager, Sam Jones. He came to talk to us off the back of all these rumours of Joe maybe fighting Daniel Dubois. Talks are underway and they're looking promising. It's a bit strange because they, they won the purse bids. It was it was all a bit it was all a bit up in the air. Like we we we, we, we kind of sensed something was gonna happen. But look, everything happens for a reason and we want to give the, the fans the fight everybody wants to see. I've got to ask you, uh, first of all, Sam, what the devil were you watching at the pictures tonight, first of all? I went to watch, <laughs> I went to watch Jumanji too. All right, okay, so how was it? Can you give us a mark out of ten? I, I, I give it a strong nine. I give it a strong Oof, nine. I, very I, I, good. The ostriches chase, chasing Kevin Hart and the Rock. It was, it was a wicked, wicked film. Which was, which was the movie of the decade in the last decade, do you know? In the, what, for, for me personally? No, for the, for the, whole, for the, for the, the biggest grossing. Oh, I have no idea. You know, you're frozzling my brain now. Yeah, you're frozzling my brain as well. I think it was Toy Story 3. Never mind. I'm right. to talk about fights. I know, but I'm just testing your, your movie knowledge. You both seen... We've got, uh, we've got, we've got Gareth, Gareth talking about Forky and Woody. We want to talk about Debar and Joyce. Well, That's well, it. Yeah, well, but the trouble is I'm worried it's going to turn into those two rather than the big men. Because uh, I, I, I said earlier... <laughs> I said earlier to Frank when we had him uh, in the interview earlier, it was, it was before the show tonight because Frank couldn't do it live. But um, Frank was uh, assuring me, and he saw that we saw that picture of you and Adam uh, that he yeah. put on his social media a couple of days ago. Presumably, that was after you guys had a, a, a nice lunch. We met and... Frank yesterday. We oh, it was yesterday, Frank was yesterday. it? That, that okay. Was a fresh, that, that's a fresh picture because you can see how, how, how chubby I look because of Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, he assured me that 
there's, you know, rather like James DeGale and um, George Groves fighting all those years ago when they were like 14, 15 and 0, that yeah. um, there's nothing wrong with these two young undefeated heavyweights meeting now. Because I was trying to play devil's advocate and say, yeah, but is this just talk? Will someone pull out? Because both have no, no. so much to lose and so much to gain, Sam. Well, I don't think, I personally don't think Daniel has much to lose. I think, I think Daniel's 22 years old. Joe's 30, uh, 34 years old. He's very, very experienced. Um, I think Joe's got a lot more to lose because we're, we're more highly ranked than, than, than Daniel. I, I personally think Joe's, Joe's faced the, the, the tougher opponents. He's not really got, he's yet to really get the credit he deserves, which I've, I've mentioned, I've alluded to in the past before. But look, Daniel's a great fighter. He's dangerous, but I mean, the, 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 the geezer he fought last time, I mean, I mean, respect to him, but he, he went there, went to Winter Wonderland, scoffed his face with some bacon rolls and got through one punch and got knocked out. So it's not really the best preparation for an Olympic silver medalist. <laughs> what, what, what would be, I mean, the, the fans listening to this right now, Sam, yeah. once, once, once the Marco Hook fight kind of fell through for Joe, because we could see the path there of going European Championship yeah, and then obviously exactly, that, would yeah. pro- that would propel you on to X, Y and Z. But with that falling through... I mean, we're all salivating at the, 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 the opportunity of these two men getting into it because we've been speaking at the start of the show about the best fighting the best. And for us, those two, domestically, right now in this country, are the best two heavyweights. Let's have I, it. I, per- I personally think it's the best fight to be made. Definitely domestically, definitely domestically. But it's, it's, the, the fact, it's a treat, isn't it? It's two big lumps. They get, they're gonna, it's, somebody's going to get knocked out as well. It's not going to point. It's not going to be like a ball fest, like the Joshua Ruiz fight. It's going to be a proper fight and somebody's going to get knocked out. Why do you particularly want this fight at this time, though? It's, it's not just about wanting the fight. It's like we're, we're, in a, we're in a business. You know this, Gareth. You've been covering boxing a long, long time. It's a, it's a fan's... It's a, it's the sport, this sport is for the fans, and that is the fight that they're demanding. Mm. So it's the fight me and myself and Frank and Adam have, have to make. It's, it's, it's as simple as that. Um. What what does it do? Joe wins this. Where does it propel him in 2020? I personally, well, look, you've got to put it into, into, into take it all into consideration. Nobody's getting a world title shot this year. Dubar or Joe, they're not getting a world title shot this year, no matter how much they think they are, they're not. Tyson mm. Fury's going to fight Wilder, I think, once or twice, w- w- definitely once more, again, after February the 22nd. That takes him. I don't think he's going to fight three times. Joshua's going to fight, who's he going to fight? Pulev, and then he's possibly, potentially going to fight Usyk. Mm-hmm. So that, that takes that, that, that belt out of the equation. So what, what do we do? We, we're not going to sit around and fight Fujimoto's. We want, we want proper fights. How, how highly, I know obviously you rate your guy highly, how highly do you rate Daniel? I think Daniel's a very, very good fighter. Listen, I'd be lying if I said I didn't, I didn't rate him, but I can't judge him because... Look, he was third in the pecking order at, at Great Britain in, in Team GB. Everybody knows that. Joe Joyce, Fraser Clark, Daniel Dubois. And then when Joe won his, won his medal, it was down between Fraser Clark and Dubois. Dubois left because I believe Fraser Clark's the better fight. But Fraser Clark would have been like he is now going to be, hopefully heading to the Olympics and hopefully he gets uh, the gold medal. He's a good friend of mine, Fraser. So, but yeah, so then he's moved on. He's turned pro. He's had. I mean, he fought Nathan Gorman, and I know Nathan personally, and I don't want to take the credit away because, look, he got the job done. He looked very, very good. But Nathan wasn't at the races that night. His son was, in, was, was, was poorly in hospital. His mind was elsewhere. And he, he fought a game plan like that's just not how he fights. So, look, he, he did the job. So you've got to, you've got, he's, he's done everything right at the moment. He's done everything right. But 
he knows he knows what Joe Joyce is all about. To Not you, Fujimoto. To, to, to Sam, um, I, I, I hear the, the the strains of Sam promoting Fraser Clark after the Olympics in in your voice as well. By the no, same not at all. Fraser's a, Fraser's a friend of mine. He's from Burton. He's just from down the road from me. Yeah. I'm from Derby. Fraser's from Burton. I've known Fraser a long time. He's a good. He's a he's a good guy. And I, he I is a great him, guy. I wish him, yeah, yeah, I wish I wish him all the best. He's one of the best guys you can really meet in boxing. Fraser. Is he going to win a gold medal in Tokyo? I, I personally think it's his time. He's had to sit around and he's had to be behind Josh Reed, behind Joe Joyce. Mm. And, and it's his time now. He's, he's, he's struggled with injuries. He had a, a terrible time. He got, he got stabbed. Like, like I think people know the story. Where yes. he got he's had, he's had, he's had a te- this is his time. It's his year. I really, do. I really do wish him the best and everyone should get behind him. No, I completely agree. Sam, just before we let you go, have you got a time frame in mind yes. of the uh, Bois-Joyce? As soon as Frank Warren wants to want it, uh, wants to wants to get it over, we'll, we'll get it on. One hundred percent. That's why, as I say, we're not. It's not. Like, people can see me on Twitter. I'm like joking around. That but listen, it doesn't matter whose name's first on the poster. It doesn't matter who walks out second. We want to give the fans the fight, the fight they want, and that's um, Joe Joyce against Daniel Dubois. You were like a politician then, Sam, not answering what uh, Adam's question. So when do you expect the fight to be? Um, and, and are we looking... Presumably it's an O2 Arena fight. And yeah, yeah it's, it's, I think yeah, it's, definitely, it's, definitely, it's definitely an O2 Arena fight. I think it will, it will, it will be a packed, a packed O2 Arena. I think... Uh, look, Joe's definitely going to fight once more this year, hopefully in February. I mean, we'd love to get him on the Fury Wilder undercard um, because he's not fought since July. Um Get him out on. Get him out in February, and then look. It's, it's, it's Daniel Dubois. So there you have it, Frank Warren. A look back at the last ten years. Kel Brook, Billy Joe Saunders, and Sam Jones joining us for our first show of 2020. Hopefully, you'll come and join us next week as we build up towards Conor McGregor's comeback in the world of mixed martial arts. And a couple of fights that we're excited about at the back end of January and early February in the world of boxing. Don't forget, you can catch us every single Saturday night at 9 o'clock on TalkSport. Or if that's a little bit too late for you, or maybe you're out and about on a Saturday evening, make sure you subscribe to our podcast because we're here for you every single Monday morning on the dot. All you've got to do is subscribe via iTunes or via the TalkSport website, TalkSport.com. You're looking for fight night on both of those channels. Thank you very much for your time. Once again, Happy New Year. And hopefully this year will be the year that we get to see the best versus the best. We'll catch you next time. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. 
quince.com slash style. 